It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube and wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Uh, Gordon is off to a great start in the show. Looks like he did you drop something, Gordon? Did you lose power to your computer? What are we doing here? I had to charge my computer. Sorry. Okay, there we go. We're good. We're good. We We're go. back. How are you We're doing, back. Gordon? Doing good. Yourself? I'm doing good. We have, uh, I want to remind everybody, schedule change for Friday. We're going to be going at 2 p.m. Central Time to break down the NCAA cross-country regional results live, announce the field, et cetera, et cetera. Gordon, you posted in your latest edition of the NCAA XC show, of which I watched every second on YouTube, your field. You completed the field. You put teams in. You bounced teams out. You had a spreadsheet. You explained the whole process again. I think, have you ever seen those ads on YouTube for Masterclass? Where it's yep. like, Steven Spielberg teaches you how to direct a film. Not really Steven Spielberg, but people like that. Like Bobby Flay tells you how to cook chicken parm. I think you could do one where it's Gordon Mack teaches you how to qualify for the NCAA Cross Country Championships. Because there's got to be seven people who know all the rules. And you know most of them. Yeah, I'm one of the seven. One of the, you know, seven is a cross-country team. Dude, tiebreakers are crazy, man. Especially on the women's side. We'll get into it on Friday. But uh, one difference between the men's and the women's field, and this seems to happen often, is a lot of times there are more men's teams who beat other good men's teams. So, therefore, when you're breaking down the, the like the 29th, 30th, and 31st team, you're debating among teams that have like five to seven wins. But in this situation, when you're breaking down the 29th, 30th, and 31st women's team, you're debating teams with three wins, two wins, and maybe even one win. And so yeah. if you're only debating against one win, you're bound to have four to six teams all with that same win. So therefore, the tiebreaker just becomes crazy. So 
and mm-hmm. it's basically becomes luck. I mean, a lot of times it's it's not that you're proving that you're the. A lot of times there's really no like, hey, clearly the 31st team is better than the 32nd team. It's more just that 31st team happened to race at the right place at the right time. Yeah, hundred percent. So. We got a comment on on YouTube from Patrick says, "Give me some of those Gordon takes." I don't know if he means specifically with cross country, but I will apply it to cross country right now. Now that you've done your mock selection, what are your strongest takes? What do you feel the strongest about going into regional day? Well, I feel strongest on the men's side that uh, one of Portland or Iona will not will not qualify for the national championship. That's a big deal because they're both, you know, powerhouse programs. You know, they're, you know, the small school, good at cross country type program. And for some reason, they're both kind of having off off years right now. Iona, mm-hmm. I thought was a top 10 team. Portland, I thought was like a top 15 team, but both are not running as well as we thought. And I think there's a chance both of them don't make it, but... Uh, I think if Iona doesn't make it, Portland gets in. And if Iona does make it, Portland gets bumped out. Now, obviously, other things need to happen. But I think that's kind of like the – will be the surprise is seeing um, a Portland or Iona not make the national championship. And on the women's side? Women's side, uh, it's just going to be – everyone's going to be talking about the tiebreaker. Like, it's just – everyone's going to be like, are you sure? I mean, we're even going to be like, are we sure? Because yeah, the tiebreaker at the 31st team is going to be between over four teams. And whenever you're breaking a tie among four teams, it's not cut and dry. It's easy to break a tie between two because it's, it makes sense. You know, head-to-head, uh, yeah. common opponents, blah, blah, blah. But when you're trying to break ties with four teams, you can have that circular logic where you beat me and I beat them and they beat me. So, therefore, we're, aren't we all equal? Right. You know, so. That's where it can get a little dicey. So, the, the so, I, I ha- I've had coaches text me asking, like, "Am I in? Am I not in?" Um, I had one coach text me, and I told them, "I don't think you're in." And then I redid the numbers, <laughs> and then I said, "Actually, you're in." And they're like, oh, "Okay, cool." So I was like, "All right." So there, hopefully, there you that, have it. Yeah. They don't even they don't even need to show up the regionals now. Gordon has put <laughs> them in, yeah. in the meet. What? If you're looking at the the top teams, though, and I'll say top teams, let's say top 10 on both sides. I know this is usually just a hoop they need to jump through, and there's very little drama. But who in the top 10 on either the men's or women's side of things is not the most vulnerable to miss it entirely, to get completely upset, but needs to, do you think, needs a good race or needs to prove something based on what they've done so far in this season? Needs to prove themselves. I think this may sound crazy, but I think NAU needs to prove themselves. And it's not that they need a Drew Bosley, Abdi Hamidnur, uh, Nico Young. They don't need to prove anything. I think NAU needs to f- to make sure that they have two other guys. And Mm-hmm. You know, Theo Quacks, Ryan Raff, Brody Hasty, none of those guys ran at their conference meet. I would assume one or two or three of them will run at this meet. You just want to see yep. a good run from two other guys that aren't named from their top three. Because mm-hmm. I've been looking into it uh, lately. 
comparing them to Notre Dame. I know I took Notre Dame off the they're not winning list, but I kind of have reshuffled ever since I had those takes. I mean, I'll probably bring this up in the next cross-country show. But I do think uh, it's going to be either Notre Dame, NAU, or Oklahoma State that wins on the men's side. And one thing I, I did in an analysis where I just basically removed everyone's top three runners. Like Oklahoma yeah. State's top three, Notre Dame's top three, NAU's top three. NAU, it will have an advantage when you score through three because they're going to, you know, their they're top three is better than anyone else's top three. But the advantage isn't going to be much. It's going to be 10 points, maybe. 10, 15 points. Yeah. So it's going to be make upable. The question is Oklahoma State's 4 5 versus Notre Dame's 4 5 versus NAU's 4 5. And so what I looked into is I looked at everyone's 4, 5, 6, 7 runners. And I kind of like created a chart. I looked at their track times. I looked at how they did last championship. Look at how they did in the spring outdoor season. And I looked at how they did in this regular season in the fall cross country. And the crazy thing is they all have their strengths and weaknesses, right? If it's purely based off of what happened last year, Notre Dame's the favorite. If it's based off of what happens on the track, NAU's the favorite. If it's based off what's happened like this year, kind of in cross country, Oklahoma State's the favorite. It's so there's yeah. like, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So that's going to be the question, right? Um, who has the best four or five? Ultimately, it's who has the best four because that's the ultimate trend um, because the five will just go along with it. But I think NAU needs to give me another data point to show that they have a better four or five than what they've shown. Because uh, Raf and Theo Quacks and Brody Hasey haven't really... I mean, we know Brody ran yeah. well last year, but he hasn't run well this year. We know Theo ran a good pre-Nets, but he ran bad two years ago at Nationals. We yeah. know Ryan Raff is a a strong runner, but he fell apart at Nationals. So it's like, oh, what, what are we going to get? So that's, I, in a weird way, the, the team trying to win five and seven years, or five and six years, is the team I'm most uh, <laughs> worried about at Regionals. All right. We got a question here from... Uh, YouTube, Matthew says, what team do you think will be the most surprising to make it to the national meet? Most surprising? Um, let me, that's a good question. Let me bring up my sheet so I can kind of visualize and kind of point out where I think. On the men's side, most surprising, I could see... I don't know. It's going to be hard to get a surprise. If I had to guess there would be any surprise. It, I mean, I what's the definition based of surprise? On the beginning, based on the beginning of the year. Maybe not based on your rankings now, but based on at, at the beginning of the year, who's what's a team that's gonna, that could make it that probably wasn't ranked or wasn't in the picture preseason? Well, I'd like to think that I do a really good job at my preseason that everyone I rank in the preseason <laughs> – I know for sure they're still going to be relevant two months later. Um, we know that's right. I don't know. I guess like a, a Minnesota men that I what people weren't really thinking about the Minnesota men that making it. I think maybe you have like an upset in the Mid Atlantic and Navy finds a way to sneak in. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really. Everyone is kind of like, there's not really. I mean, yes, there's always like that random team, like a Bradley makes it one year, or yeah. uh, you know, a Middle Tennessee State or some team we weren't thinking about gets in. I mean, I think the ultimate craziness would be if like a Virginia finally gets their shit together and they run out of their mind at the Southeast region because preseason I had Virginia as a top 20 team and now they're ranked like 10th in their own regional um, because they just haven't been running well, probably due to injuries. Their top uh, freshman, Nathan Mountain, hasn't been running too well. So maybe Virginia is the surprise team. But then again, if they didn't make it, it'll be like, well, we expected it. It's just we, we kind of stopped expecting it. On the women's side, I think a Liberty making the meet or Abilene Christian or a uh, Connecticut or a Illinois or a Tennessee, any of those teams making it, I think will be a surprise because, I mean, who had Liberty on their, you know, mm-hmm. at-large pool in, in September or Abilene Christian making it? out of the South Central over Texas. So those would be my surprise teams. But yeah, I'm excited for Friday. So I think the plan is we're going to go live at 2 p.m. And mm-hmm. that's going to be after all the regionals are basically complete. And then we'll reveal the final uh, selections. But on Twitter, I plan on kind of tweeting out uh, like hourly updates of where the, the Colossus calculator is at. So people can kind mm-hmm. of get excited and say, oh, it looks like I'm a bubble team. Like I'll be tweeting out like the bubble teams after the first regional, the new bubble teams after the second regional. Yeah. And so getting people excited for the 2 p.m. show. I like it. I like it. Um, we got one more question here. Uh, it says from Kurt, if the Michigan women do not finish top two at Great Lakes, will they make it in? Yes, they'll make it in. There's enough depth Done. in the Great Lakes that someone's going to push them in. So, yeah. And they, yeah, they'll be fine. Right now, I'm projecting six teams qualifying in the women's Great Lakes. So, now if they finish like sixth, I don't know. Fifth, maybe a stretch. But if they finish top four, they should be fine. So, earlier in the year, you had every team from the mountain basically making it on the women's side. And now you've backed I, off that. Yeah. If, Yes, I backed off that, but there could easily be a a wave of mountain teams all getting in um, because even though I only have five mountain teams getting in, yeah, there are teams like Colorado State and Utah State that have good wins, but they're just being blocked right now. And I had a situation where a Toledo got pushed in in the Great Lakes. Gonzaga gets pushed in in the West. It takes up two extra spots, so that kind of took away from Mountain's run. So yeah, there's like a scenario where Mountain gets eight, and there's a scenario where Mountain gets five. And so oh wow, we don't know which one we're going to get, but we're going to get one of the two. It's either going to be five or eight. We're not going to get a, a Mountain with four. We're not going to get a Mountain with six. It's going to be five or eight. So if you're not in the Mountain region, you're hoping it's five because then you have three. Five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. If you have more questions on NCAA Cross before the regionals, tweet him to Gordon at his personal account, at Gordon Mack. He will be, uh, he's on Twitter constantly looking for Sixers news. So he'll, he'll respond within the hour pretty much. And then we'll have that live show for you on Friday as well. Um, let's talk about 
Do you want to talk about World Athletics, Rising Star nominees? Do you want to talk about the petition once again to change the NCAA cross-country distance? Or do you want to talk about this Michigan uh, high school runner who got DQ'd for cussing across the finish line? I'll let you pick the order. Let's talk about the... Let's talk about the Michigan runner getting DQ'd. You're a dad. How does this make you feel? I'm a dad. I'm a guy who's... (laughs) run high school cross country. I'm a guy who's followed ridiculous high school DQs in track and cross country for decades now. I can say I have that level of experience. I've read all the articles. I get mad every single time because each time it feels like this official or this state association is trying to outdo the one that came before it. This one is bad. Um, Runner's name is Garrett Winter. He finished second at the state meet. Uh, ran the 5K in 15, 27, 22. Uh, there's video of this, which is, this is tough because if this was happening 15 years ago or 20 years ago and there wasn't video, you could say, well, I didn't say that. You misheard me. But now it's on YouTube. Uh, the video's in the article there. It says the F word as he crosses the line, but it wasn't directed towards anybody. It was, it was of the celebratory vein. He gets DQ'd. The article has all of this explanation and language about the ruling. It's unacceptable conduct by a competitor, um, which includes, but is not limited to, willful failure to follow the directions of a meat official using profanity that is not directed at someone or any action which could bring discredit to the individual or his or her school. Um, I don't think there's very many people who think he should be DQ'd because basically even the, the officials and the 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 people who work for the association and the article are like hey listen man this is the rule like we just got to stick by the rule that's just that's just what it is but this is a bummer i mean the good news is for him he still got to run the race everybody got to see how good he was and he's going to have the opportunity to run in college the dqs that i dislike more are the ones that prevent people from running the race entirely so they don't even have the opportunity or where it impacts the whole team. I don't think this impacted it, his whole team, uh, but we can add this to the pile of ridiculous DQs. In the story uh, that I was reading on MLive.com, there's a great paragraph towards the end. And our producer, Travis, was telling me that this was a big deal in the high school scene a couple uh, years ago. It says, disqualification in postseason cross-country races aren't unprecedented in Michigan, with one of the most recent examples being Northville Boys teams forfeiting the race after running with mismatching undergarments beneath the uniform top. So you can debate which is worse, getting DQ'd for mismatching undergarments or saying a celebratory F word across the line. Um, I think they're both bad. I think they both send kind of the wrong message. I've talked about this before. It's just kind of about rule following and there's no ability to show any sort of discretion or shades of gray. People have brought up the point that football teams, I'm sure, have guys celebrating saying the F word. They don't like, you might get a penalty, but you don't get disqualified from the game. Basketball players, same thing. It's not like, oh, sorry guys, season's over. After after he hit a three and he said, F yeah, you guys are done. But the penalties in track and field are so harsh and in some cases so arcane. Um, this kid, you know, he did this long apology. I don't really even feel like he really, he needed to to do that. I guess apologize to coach and team if it if if that impacted you but this is not this is not something that we should be dqing high school kids for i mean look how long this public statement is 
he should not be making a public statement. He, he did nothing wrong. The person who did something wrong is the official. The official's an asshole. The official was on a power trip. The official's hiding behind the phrase, rules are rules. No, you're a human being. You know what? Your, your job is to have discretion. You chose yeah. to be a dick. You chose to like ruin this kid's moment. I'm sure he can go home at night and eat dinner with his family and be like, I just ruined a 17-year-old's, you know, happiness. Oh, great. You know, like, it's it's bullshit, you know? Like, it, the, the, what, what, what's the, why, why does this guy want to be an official? This guy clearly wants to be an official. Well, I'm assuming it's a man because, like, What's what's his what's the purpose of being an official? The purpose of being an official is to make sure people don't cheat, right? You want a yeah, fair safety. safety safety? Okay, safety. I mean, are people out there like yeah, tackling well, each other in cross country meets? But well, no, that's part of it. It's 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 yeah. nope. You want fair play and you want safety. By the way, Travis is okay, so, from the podcast because of cursing. So I actually have to take thank over God now this official. You. I'm so happy this official saved all the other runners from. Uh, a sound that had that started with the letter F and ended with the word yeah. "uck," like bullshit. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> give me a break. Like, I can't believe this guy sleeps at sleeps at night knowing he just ruined a kid's like joy. Well, and you know, just, like, you know, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go up to him. I'm gonna find him in his when he's out there, like, uh, going to do something fun at his children's birthday party and i'm like hey uh we're gonna have to cancel this birthday party because uh you jaywalked uh to get here when you parked your car across the street so we're shutting it down pop the balloon house it's over <laughs> birthday's canceled you cannot jaywalk I mean, it's uh, it's the law man see jaywalking is illegal so you need to cancel this birthday party i'm sorry that's what we're gonna do we're gonna find this guy and cancel his son's birthday party because of jaywalking that's how There's a larger, yeah, yeah. Well, and it goes back to track in general with all the penalties being overly harsh because there's one tool you can use and it's disqualification in track and cross country. There's no middle ground. It's not as if they said, hey, you curse, we're going to add five seconds to your time. No, it's the only tool they have to remedy it is disqualification. With the uniform stuff, it always frustrates me because you're just prioritizing some sort of bureaucratic nitpicking deal over a kid's, you know, the whole idea is sports, high school, it's supposed to be fun. It's about competition. I mean, I taught in high school if a kid and coached, but I'm just thinking about this in the context of a classroom. If a kid was really excited that they got a hundred percent on a test and they used the F word, I wouldn't be like, you're done for the semester. I might, I might yeah, talk nice. to them. I might, have a, I might have a conversation with them and say, Hey, maybe celebrate in a different way next time. I appreciate your enthusiasm because this is all about, I mean, the whole idea is you're preparing young people for, for life, right? That's the, that's the ideal of, of high school sports and just throwing blanket DQs out there doesn't teach them anything. It's just blind following of rules with no ability to show any sort of discretion. So the uniform ones are always ridiculous. This one, I think gets a little bit I mean, it gets more attention from the perspective of there's video of it that people can see.
but maybe less attention because it's not a team getting DQ'd. It's one guy. Um, but again, it's it should be. I get that the rule is written down, but if we're not taunting, we're not in somebody else's face, we're not ruining the experience of somebody else. We should be able to look at this thing with clear eyes and say, "Hey, maybe just talk to the kid. Maybe like, hey, you had a great race, but don't do that." And that's that's hey. as far as it should go. That's as far as it should go. Official is this official who called this ruling has very big loser energy, in my opinion. He's a loser. He should not be. Uh, he should not be uh, considered a, a great official. Uh, I'm just saying the the guy. You're a grown ass man, and you're doing this. Like what? What? What gets you? You're probably not even being paid. He's probably a volunteer. He's doing. He's not even being paid to be an asshole to this kid. He's just doing it because he wants to do it on his free time. It's come on, like. So there's a lot of great officials. Like there's so many great officials out there. There's people who've been volunteering at a track meets and cross country meets who have bring nothing but positive energy and get, do a good job of you know applying DQ rules when they need to be applied. But then there's people like this yep. who. You can't defend it. And I'm sorry, defending, hey, it's written down here in the bylaws. That's not a justification. Same thing as, like, your job isn't to Apparently. just uh, be a, a blind follower of text on paper and be like, ooh. So, anyway. All right. I'm done. I see on the, the uh, I got this tweet. It said uh, Waylon ended up giving his medal to to winter so um cool move there one of the other that's cool competitors out there ended up giving him his, his medal. kid's gonna go on again everybody knows how fast he ran right so a worse situation would be getting dq'd and not even have the opportunity to compete but luckily he has the he has the uh he has the ability to compete everyone knows how fast he ran He's still going to get opportunities, obviously, at the next level to compete. I don't think anybody's coach is going to see this and be like, oh, major major character issues with that, that kid. We're, we're not going to sign. But it's more the principle of of this and this, this trend line amongst officiating in high school track and cross country, which just airs so heavily on the side of, of DQs with, with minimal discretion. Uh, let, let's move on, though. Um, I want to talk about the distance that we run for NCAA cross country championships. This becomes a topic every couple of years or so, Gordon, you know, the women run 6k at the NCAA cross country championships, men run 10k. Um, there's people who want to change that. There's some, some people who want to move the men down to 8k. There's some people who want to move the women up to 10k. Some people would just say, Hey, let's figure out a way to have them run the same distance. There was another petition on change.org that got some attention from some some pro athletes out there. Um, my opinion of this has kind of shifted a, a little bit throughout the years, especially if, as I've gone and witnessed NCAA cross country championships and followed the, the season more and more closely. Um, what's your what's your opinion just in general of what the distance should be for men and women? Do you have an ideal distance? Um, I I I. I have an opinion and I have a reality. Uh, my opinion is I think it should be the same distance. Also, I think um, I'm not married to 8K or 10K. Uh, I do think 
it's probably better if it's an 8K because um, 10K can, like, I think, I don't know. There's argument that, like, there's going to be, like, some runners in the back half of a 10K who are going to take, like, 50 minutes. And if you're trying to do, like, two 10Ks at a meet, you're going to have to have an even longer time between the start of the next one, between the end of the previous one, because of the yeah. stragglers who are finishing 300th. Uh, but at the end of the day, that shouldn't matter whether or not the way you decide the distance of a run. Um, I'm either or, 8 and 10, but I agree. I think it should be the same distance. I think it's the same distance in every other event. I think I should. I think they shouldn't be doing a heptathlon. I think they should be doing a decathlon. I don't know why there's difference. The only argument you can make, I mean, I I would even argue like the shot put weight should be the same weight. Like, yes, a woman's probably not going to be able to throw a weight the same distance as like Ryan Krauser, but that's okay. We don't need to make it lighter so that the marks are closer to each other. Like, and I also would think I'm a little bit on the hurdle height potentially could be the same, but I do think there's a justification because women are naturally shorter and you are yeah. going to be eliminating a lot more people because of the average height of a woman to get over a hurdle or barrier. You should adjust for natural body type size, but Women can run a marathon. They can run 8K. So yeah, if they can run a marathon, yeah. they can run 8,000 8, meters. So I'm all for making it the same. I'm either or, 8K or 10K. I think initially, well, a couple of years ago when this got brought up and maybe that was the third time it had been brought up, maybe it had been the 30th time it had been brought up because these conversations I'm sure are always ongoing and a lot of the, the same arguments are recycled there was some thought of hey well why why is it the women who have to to change why is it the like why why don't the men like why maybe 6k is the perfect cross country distance and the the men should have to change just because uh it's shorter anybody who's running 800 knows that just cuz something's short doesn't mean it's not hard right so there's there's that part of it of like hey is it is it sending a bad message that the distance is are different that's one question and then the second question is well what's just the best distance to run at cross country obviously 6k for women it makes it so much more inclusive in terms of event types that can compete in it and i think it's fun when there's an 800 meter runner who actually has a chance in cross country and can hang men's side yeah you see some 1500 meter guys yard nagoose oliver Hoare recently have been you know a couple standout examples, but it's a much longer stretch. I lean towards eight on both because at least on the men's side, it's always weird to me that they run one distance for the regular season and then a different distance for the end of the season. I think that that's, that's somewhat strange. And for, for the women going up a, a little bit, I think would help to make it i don't want to say the word true cross country because people who say true cross country are like i don't know they can be kind of annoying but it would be i don't know like i don't mind i don't mind 6k like i don't like i think the the it, it's it's fun like it, it it is it's a compelling race some 
10K women win it some years, right? And then you like you have a Wayne Kalati winning it, but then you also have a Danny Jones winning it, which is fun too. So I don't know. I, like if we had to do it the same, obviously I would say eight makes the most sense to me because um, it still allows it to be inclusive with events while also making it a longer distance race. But, you know, I kind of see some of those arguments before where it's like, well, why is it that that one one gender has to to change to accommodate the other one? Maybe they're the one who have the good distance. Maybe the good distance is the shorter one, not the longer one. So this is me being, what's this is me being, uh, uh, what's the word? Not I don't know. The, dang it. But contrarian, contrarian, not contrarian. Yeah, contrarian. I don't know. Or like, uh, yeah, maybe contrarian, but. Does Mark Emmerich, the NCAA president, care about the distance of one of the NCAA championship races? No, I think it would come from the coaches. And here's why. This this now, it's become not a question about – it's not a philosophical debate. It's a, a, a debate born out of cold realities of what helps your team and what sort of athletes you've been recruiting. And that's the prism through which people are looking at it now. Because if your whole emphasis was getting a bunch of guys who could run 10K, then of course you're going to say it should stay at 10K. If you're more mid-distance based, you're going to want to drop the distance. Or you're going to want to keep it at 6K for the women. So this, this debate does not take place in a vacuum. It takes place with each program, each coach, each university looking at it for what's going to serve them best as it should be because they're human beings and that's how they're, they're going to look at it. So we're never, we can't erase all of our prior biases and we can't go back in time. We are looking at it through the lens of what's going to help different universities the most. And that's how they're going to feel about this, this distance and this question, I think. And I mean, this is uh, one thing that happens so Title IX is a thing. And a way that a lot of teams get around Title IX is they overload their women's cross-country team with basically their entire track team. Mm -hmm. And basically you do this because you take a female 400-meter runner and you say, oh, she's also a cross-country runner. She's running cross-country, yeah. so she counts as another female body to counteract for the 90 football players that they have. And so because yeah. of that, you're going to have an over, uh, oversaturated amount of non-true distance runners on a women's cross-country team. Whereas men, like, they're not asking the 400-meter male to double himself as a cross-country runner because they're like, hey, no, just yeah. stay in indoor and outdoor. We don't want you to count three times. We only want you to count twice. Yeah. And so because of that, when you have this influx of less of 800 runners and, you know, maybe even a 400 runner here and there, uh, it's easier for the coach to have them run a 6K than to have them run a 10K or 8K. Yeah. And so I think there are a lot of teams out there who are like, I don't want to put my 800 meter runners through 10,000 meters, but I can handle yeah. putting them through 6K. And so yeah. that's yeah. probably what's holding it back. And the reason why they have yeah. an 800 meter runner on their team in the first place is to counteract the football scholarship that is going on in the fall season. So 
in the end, I, yep. I think the reason why we're still in 6K is because of Title IX, because of manipulating rosters. And a cross-country roster has always been manipulated because it's easy to, to – you can't convince a softball player to count themselves again as a cross-country runner, but yeah. you can convince your indoor team to be like, oh, we're doing cross-country. It's just off-season training, right? So, um, Yeah. I Again, I like – I like 8K. I, again, I think if you're saying, well, they can do 6K without injuries, but 8K is a bridge too far. I don't know. I don't know about that, especially with how limited the racing is. You could use that same logic to, to and, and repeat that logic again and then go to 10K. But 6K up to 10K is is quite a bit of a, a difference. I think it'd be a fun thought experiment. What if for one year the men were the 6 and the women ran the 10? Who would be your... Who would be the reverse championship? The reverse champion. Even better. What if they did? I don't. I don't want them to do this for the record. What if they went all the way and throw it back and do a short long course championships? Yeah. So you have a short. You have a short course. You do like a five k and a ten k yeah. across country, or do five and twelve k. And so then we have yeah. two team champions. And can you win both? Can you divide your team up and win both in the same weekend? Yeah. Part of it to me as a spectator is influenced by the fact that they're doing multiple loops anyway. And it just starts to feel repetitive that I don't think you'd lose much by going from 10 to eight. Obviously different teams have different strengths, but from a, from a spectator perspective, you're losing, you're losing a couple minutes of viewing time, but that's, but that's about it. I go back to your idea to change the cross country season from the beginning of the year, the beginning of the, cross-country season and one thing you did manipulate was the distances in order to keep the total distance down because that is something that coaches talk about that is a a real thing but i think they should start by just picking well what's the actual what's the actual distance we want to do and then go back from there also high school cross-country most places yeah you get some standardized distance but there's some fluctuation in some states it might be 2.4 miles it might be 2.7 it might be three it might be 2.8 right it's it, it's a bit over the all over the map um and i know some courses are mi- mismeasured or just not rounded in a way that's like perfect but I don't know, do you really i don't really care what the distance is like with some of these How things you- if i found out if i found out yesterday or tomorrow that the madison course was 50 meters short or long, it wouldn't impact anything that I've ever thought about that course or about cross country at all. Now, if I found out the BU indoor track was one meter short, my whole world would crumble. Which it is. But, which, but cross, I don't care. It doesn't matter. How do you think the bring back the mile crew is feeling about this petition? Because they're like, hey, stop making it an 8K. We want it to be a five miler. That's what we want. Make it a five-mile championship, not an 8K championship. I'm yeah, running I just, a five-mile turkey trot in two weeks. I'm not okay. looking forward to it. It's going to be bad. Make sure it's not an 8K. Well, I guess you're hoping for an 8K, so it'll be 0.03 miles shorter for you. It would be cool to run a simulation and see how different the times would be. But I also think the top-level athletes are, are pretty adaptable, and going from six to eight wouldn't change that much and if you went from 10 down to eight i also don't think it would change a whole heck of a lot we always talk about well 
Colorado or whatever. Look how much they move over that final 2K. But Colorado does fine at pre-nats and early season meets when the distance is short. It's not as if they're falling apart and then they come to nationals and are this big revelation. They just they have a specific race plan for that race, but they would change and adapt their race plan for 8K too. You know how you really bring change? If you not mm. signing this petition that has 1,700 signatures out of 2,500, this is how you really bring the change. You actually get the 255 women who are running at Tallahassee this year, and you tell them, when you cross the finish keep line, going. keep going 2K more, and then stop. And don't mm -hmm. accept the results at 6K. Only accept the results that they come in at the 8K split mark. And just accept and do that. The ultimate protest. I like it. That would be a wild like protest. It. Sacrificing your win and recognizing. So they all come in like a, as a pack at 6K. You're like, what's going on? Why are they all together still? Just make sure you don't cuss when you cross the finish line. Yeah, just make sure you don't cuss. All right. Yeah. That's the most important thing about sports is making sure that you don't cuss. Uh, okay. War Athletics announced the Rising Star nominees, Gordon. For the men and women. The finalists for the men. We'll do the men first. Sean Burrell of LSU. Tedese Werku, Arian Knighton, Sasha Zoya, and Emmanuel Wanyoni. Women's side. Well, we'll get to women next. Uh, do you have a pick here? Who do you think it should be? I, I, look, let me read the let me read their credentials here. Burrell, uh, U20 record in the four hurdles, NCAA champ. Knighton, fourth at the Olympics. U20 200 record, U18 200 best. Wanyoni won World U20s. Uh, Worku, World U20 3K champ and second in the 5K. And he's had leading times for U20 in the 3, the 10, and then the 10K on the roads. He also set the senior Ethiopian 10K record on the roads. And then Sasha Zoya, uh, World U20 high hurdle champ, European U U20 high hurdle champ. And then he broke the U20 High hurdle record with that with that twelve seven, which was mighty impressive. You got a pick here. So here's the question that I think I answered myself. Knighton is the only one who had, who did something at the senior level, right? Correct. He's, he got fourth at the Olympics. Everyone else, they have broken their U twenty records. They went on to win the U twenty championships or get second or first or whatever. So I, in my mind, I think. Arian Knighton is the lock because he got fourth at the Olympics. No one else even ran at the Olympics. Or maybe they did, but they're, it's not noted. Now, you can look at like some of these other athletes who kind of dominated the U20 circuit, like Emmanuel when, when you, I don't know how to say his last name. Call him Emmanuel. From Kenya. Because uh, he won U20s in the 800 World Leading time, national record in the yeah. U18. So, same thing with Worku of Ethiopia. But Worku of Ethiopia got second in the 5K at U20s. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's obviously Knighton. He's the one who did something at the the big boys level. So I would go yeah. with Knighton from his fourth place finish at the Olympics. And he got he qualified in the men's 200 in the US, which is even harder. Like. I know yeah. it's hard for an 800-meter runner to qualify in Kenya, but it's hard for a 200-meter runner to qualify in the U.S. So I'll give it to Knighton. I look, 
I look at it the same way you do, even though this is a junior award, I look at it as, well, what did you do against senior level competition? I don't know if that sentiment is shared throughout the world, but that's my perspective of it. Zoya, I'd say is the next best just because 1272 is an incredible time. And yeah, it's on lower barriers, but no one's ever run that fast for a 110 meter hurdle race. So I would have him second. He had a spectacular season top to bottom. For the women, uh, Keely Hodgkinson, Athing Mo, Celia Kosanyan, Zerfe Wanda Megenye, and Christine Mboma. So Hodgkinson, silver at the Olympics. Uh, Kosonia of Finland was U20 hammer champ and world U20 record in the hammer. Mboma, we obviously know what she did. Silver in the 200, won the Diamond League 200, got a bunch of, broke the U20 record a million times. Thing Mo, we know about what she did. Olympic champ in the eight, four by four, world U20 800 record. And then Wonga Mangani is world U20 steeplechase silver medalist. And then she made the finals in the steeple at the Olympics. So I think we can eliminate her. Hodgkinson is getting blocked by a thing Mo because a thing Mo beat her. She got, got the gold medal. Keely Hodgkinson got the silver. You can't give it to the silver medalist over the gold medalist. So then you have Mboma, uh, Kosinin, and Mo. Kosinin, you know, mostly U20 accolades listed here. So I, th I think it would be between Mboma and, and a thing Mo. I would give it to a, a thing Mo because of the gold. Uh, but Mboma, it gets complicated. You're going to, you know, because obviously we know what she could have done if she was permitted to run the 400. They're not going to count that. So she's got the silver and the two. But that was against Delane Thompson Hurrah, which is which is a, a, a loss against a transcendent talent here. So I wouldn't be upset with either of those two. Well, first of all, I was surprised that a thing Mo was on this list. You, you kind of forget how young she is, right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we've seen her like through the high school days, but we kind of forget that she was just a freshman in college, and she's already now Olympic champ in the eight hundred. So that was my first reaction. It's like, oh wait, yeah, I guess she does count. Like, because I look at like someone like um, Arian Knighton as like a, a kid, but I don't look at a thing Mo as a kid. I look at her as mm -hmm. like already an established vet, which is kind of wild because basically it took eight months for that to happen. I, I agree. Yeah. I think a thing Mo is going to win this. I think, I mean, she's nominated for athlete of the year in the top 10. So, right. Is she yeah. in the athlete of the year. I think she was in that group. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the top 10. So yeah, it's definitely her. I do think though, I agree with you and Beaumont's kind of, we don't know because her true event was the 400. So what I'm thinking is we just do a runoff. Boma. Versus Mo in a 400 mm. in Monaco. Throw it down. Winner gets Rising Star Award. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. most fairest way to do it. Yeah. So, Mboma, well, yes, I'm for Who do you think would win that race? Who would you take in that race? I'd take him. Mboma mm. mm. ran 49-2 this year. I'd probably go in Boma. Well, who's been training? Yeah. Who's been training? I don't know who's been training. So obviously this doesn't list in Boma's 400 exploits because we're not allowed to see her as a 400 meter runner. But yeah, we forget she, she broke that U20 record as well too. I, I guess they're not going to consider that. So if they're not going to consider 
the 400 meter exploits and they're only looking at things in the, the 200 and 100 range, then I think Mo is going to get it. But if you look at her body of work, smashing the two and four records and then getting silver in, in Tokyo. And I'm guessing if she had run the 400, if she was allowed to run the 400 in Tokyo, no worse than silver, I would have said, based on how she was running this year. But that is not going to be what the committee or the voters consider based on what they have listed here. So I, I think it's going to be a thing, Mo, because they're going to go with the gold medalist. And it's not a bad, not a bad, not a bad, not pick. A bad pick. Not a, not a bad. Yeah. So I, I think Americans are going to sweep the rising star awards, Gordon. I think we're going to get an Aryan Knight and a thing Mo double. Love it. As a fellow American. <laughs> USA all the way. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, we reached the end of the show, Gordon. No, there's one more thing. Now, we don't have Travis because Travis now has meetings at 930, so we don't get graphics on the screen. Uh, what do we have left? At 930. I have to, I'm going to, I should have prepared. I'm going to send this to Colt. I'm going to send you a video. And uh, Kevin, I want your reaction. So I'm going to send I don't know it what to, this is. I'll send it in the, well, you'll see. Have I seen this? I sent it in the in the chat, Colt. Surprise, surprise, su- surprise! Podcasting is the best. Surprise podcasting, where we don't add it to the rundown, and I'm just saying, hey, yeah. that's what we're doing. We've had a rundown literally for four months on this show, and you didn't put it in there, so I I, I haven't seen it. I is this uh, is this track related or not track related? Um, not track. I mean, what's the definition of track? It's, it's our sport related. Running, a duck. Running. Okay. I see. Ran the New York city okay. marathon. There we go. Uh, what's the, I can't see that. Can we make that bigger? I can't see it. Actually, I can look at, I, I, I can look at it on, I'm watching on YouTube too. So I can look at it when it pops up on there. So uh, here's the question. Why did you put this? Yeah. Give me the duck. Well, stats. this is impressive. I mean, have you ever seen a duck run a New York city marathon? No. Unless they're Oregon duck. I haven't seen a real duck yes. do it. My question is, Wait, how do you think we'll... this duck, how, why was this duck, first of all, allowed to bandit the race? The duck should be yeah, fine, according point. to this new DQ, DQ rules we are following all of a sudden. Yeah. But yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, this duck running the New York City Marathon? How, how, how far did it go? Did it last the whole way? Let, let's assume that. Let's assume it waddled its way twenty six point two. Man, let's just assume that it's more fun to. What do you think a duck could do twenty six miles in? That's a good question. Well, what do you think? Okay, if, does it have? They va- would have done the full course. Vapor flies or no vapor flies in this scenario? Uh, the the first first yeah vapor, vapor flies. Let's assume they got vapor okay. flies. Okay, because I'm wondering little web feet. Yeah, how much wear and tear on on the feet right there? You need some foam underneath you. Uh, Play that one more time. I'm trying to get a read on how fast the people are running next to the duck just to get an idea of of pace here. Okay, that's not that slow. Sub sub five, maybe? Sub five hours? (laughs) Okay. Actually, here. Actually, hold on. Cole, Cole, Cole. Let's do some investigation here. Blow this thing up. Can we zoom in on someone's bib? Is it possible to get a bib number so we can look up how fast these people ran? And then we can have a better uh, idea. Can we enhance that? Producer Colt trying to make up for his, uh, we'll say, tardiness uh, last episode here. 
with some CSI level investigation. Cause I mean, I don't know how long the duck was in the race, but let's just assume they were. Can we get a bib number on anybody here? Oh, this is going to be tough. Gordon, you, you seeing anything here? Right. Okay. Hold on. I know. I know. I, I know where is we can no look. Uh, the duck is swishing back and forth an awful lot, somewhat like a race walker in terms of technique. So that's one thing. Also, why not just like fly for a second? Give your feet a break and fly, or is that a DQ? Okay, I got – I think I got a bib. Hold on. This is good. This is Gordon's no, 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 best We got reset. Here. We got reset. What? Okay. I got the results thing up, so if you give me a bib number – I can I can punch it in. Damn it. I will oh, not say the I, person's I'm, I'm name. So I'll close. I'm so close. It's to screen dropping. Just hit hit the button that says enhance on your computer and it makes blurry things clear. That's what happens on crime shows. They miraculously are able to clear okay. uh I think add it's, pixels in it. Give me a number. I think it's one five seven six uh -huh. one. I found it. Or oh, wow. one five seven five one. Or one five seven five one. Male. Okay, hold on. One five seven five one. Okay, so one five seven Old six male. one was a Old. was a a four thirteen. Okay. Is it a there, male? That, that, Old, older male? Like he has so gray there is, hair. There so is, there is no one five seven five one. There is a one five seven six one. Four twelve is what the person ran. Uh, do they have age group here? I don't know. I guess I could look up this person's, like Google this person's and see if we can get uh, a picture. I'm not going to say the person's <laughs> the name. Only does Google a person. Uh, yeah, that's, that, was, that's the pace. So, I mean, okay. but this athlete this was person's name is, This athlete this was person's name. Yeah, this person's name is a little too common. I'm not able to find anything else. But yeah, so that's 412. So I, I'm, I'm very confident saying sub five for the duck even if it doesn't have shoes and it doesn't choose to fly for a little bit what choose do you to think fly for a little bit take a little break yeah break i think sub be, five would, is sub five is would that be great if we were if runners could also fly so therefore like when you're tired in your run you can just like take a break and flap your arms a little bit to kind of give your legs a break and but still be moving on the course that'd be great gordon gordon i've been saying this for years no, I've never said that before. <laughs> All right. Sixers lost last night. Sorry about that, Gordon. Yeah, we played half our team. And oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo is like acting like he won the NBA championship. It's like you beat our G League team. Good job. Okay, well, so. I I tone it down with the mocking Giannis for winning NBA championships because he actually has won an NBA championship. Yeah, but like he the way uh -oh. he acts you... like for regular season wins. I mean, you guys are five and six. Put the, put the brakes on. He acted How like dare he, he was in like game seven of the NBA Finals against our JV team. And it's like, you're, first of all, the JV team should not be beating you guys with three minutes left in the game. So maybe the problem is you guys need to learn to blow us out a little bit better when we're not playing our entire starting lineup. Noted. I'm sure Giannis will take those notes. I just watched the last couple minutes of it. It was a it was exciting. Yeah, I think they're back. I think this is the year for the Sixers. Flowtrackpodcast at, at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, 
Friday, 2 p.m. If you're into cross country, join us then. Thanks to Travis for producing. Thanks to Colt for producing as well. Have a great Wednesday and Thursday, everyone. We'll talk to you on Friday.